0: What's going on Eagles Nation? Welcome to the latest Birds Banter podcast presented to you by PHL Sports Nation and sponsored by Anchor. My name is Matt Lupin. I'm joined by Logan Banker here today and we're here to discuss the heartbreaking loss against the Minnesota Vikings. The Eagles are falling to 3-3 three and three on the season after the 38-20 to 20 loss to the Vikings and really what separated this loss away from the others this season has been the other ones uh, the Eagles were in the game until the end. They lost the game because of a couple drop passes late in the game but This game against the Vikings was really a blowout. Um, From start to finish, the Vikings were dominating this game. The Eagles had some glimmer of hope all the way through until uh, midway through the third quarter, in my opinion. But really, the Vikings ran away with this game. Um, The Eagles were in kind of a bad situation because uh, Adam Thielen and Stephon Diggs expressed their disappointment in the offense. They got a really talented wide receiver group, and Kirk Cousins isn't throwing the ball effectively And then the Vikings were obviously set to prove that false. And those receivers totaled for 224 receiving yards and four touchdowns. Three came from Stephon Diggs himself. So really the bad week for the Eagles, uh, bad secondary to face this offense that really was set out to prove themselves. And as I'm sure you're all aware of, Zach Brown, the Eagles linebacker, who's actually not on the team anymore, but he made some comments about Kirk Cousins, his previous teammate when they were with the Washington Redskins. And he said, um, they really want to get after Kirk Cousins all all game, have him throw the ball because he thinks that Kirk Cousins is the weakest part of that offense. Kirk Cousins um, really had the last laugh, and he had 333 passing yards and four touchdowns, really came out to a hot start and never cooled off. Um, Zach Brown really, really uh, was shown up in that game and then obviously uh, was released Monday afternoon from the Eagles. The Eagles, on the other hand, um, they had their fair share of drops and bad choices again but went with a pr- pretty good day statistically he had 306 passing yards two touchdowns Day, who had that clutch interception on defense and Miles Sanders is really a promising uh player in the passing game he has 86 or he had over 80 receiving yards um against the Vikings and he had his first career touchdown uh, he's nominated for rookie of the week this week and really promising because we mentioned earlier um in our previous podcast that Miles Sanders needs to get involved in the passing game because he's so electric and has proven himself there. And the Eagles really proved that with uh, those two big passing plays to him. Um, But obviously, on the other side of the ball, the Eagles' secondary really, really struggled yet again. Um, They were getting burnt by receivers over and over again. But, you know, they're going to get some guys back from injury soon, and the trade deadline is just two weeks away, so they might be getting some help soon. Logan, do you think it's ever going to get better?
1: um yeah that's kind of the million dollar question right now it just says problems just seems to continue to drag on and drag on but yeah they could see jalen mills back this week he is eligible to be activated off the pup list yeah uh, he actually will practice tomorrow um doug peterson is optimistic ronald darby could return too this week so they could get both of those guys back which would obviously be huge um they, they were the starting corners on the team when they made that super bowl run in 2017 so getting both of them back would be huge um There is also Avante Maddox who's still out. He's not going to play this week, but he's at least out of the neck brace, which is a good sign. But, I mean, if you think about it, these problems, it's not just limited to this year. It's happened last year, the year before that. So I don't know if getting Jalen Mills and Ronald Darby back is going to save the position. might make it a little more serviceable where they're not going to get torched for four touchdowns um, in a game. But they really have to – the front office really has to look themselves in the mirror and kind of think – Is this going to help? Like, are we going to get better? Do we have a chance to really win with this group? And that's a really tough question because they did it before, but I don't know how much you can rely on Jalen Mills, who hasn't played in a year. Ronald Darby, who was really inconsistent this year before he got hurt. So it's tough. I mean, there's guys on the market that could be had. There's Chris Harris, obviously Jalen Mills, but yeah, it's tough. If I try to get in the head of Howie Roseman, of what he's thinking right now, I don't know if it's an automatic that he makes a trade because he might think, "Oh, well this worked before, so maybe it'll work again." But yeah, they're getting help, but I'm not sure if that's going to save the position.
0: Yeah, the thing that baffles me is going into the season, we had six quarterbacks that started at some point in the 2018 season. The fans were ecstatic about it. Even me and Logan were talking about all summer like, "We have high expectations for the secondary. They all have something good to bring to the table." And then it all fell apart. Obviously, we're without Jalen Mills and the LeBlanc to start the season, but um, personally, I'm a big fan of Mills. I know he gets burned a lot, and the fans don't really like him that much. But when you get into the red zone, he's one of the best out there, and I really like that about him. Um, obviously, getting Jalen Mills back isn't going to solve the problems that the Eagles are struggling with right now. Right now, they're giving up huge chunk plays to receivers on any team. Um, it, it started in Week One with Terry McLaurin, someone that. People didn't really know of. And then he's torching the Eagles defense when they were supposed to um, be dominating the Redskins offense. So really, the problem has been all throughout the season. And Jalen Mills, everybody knows that he does not defend the double move well. So once he comes back, I don't think that the deep ball is going to get improved at all um, defending that on defense. So that's kind of troubling to see. But obviously, they will get help overall. Um, He brings a lot to the table in the red zone, which is definitely going to be helpful And also one thing that I want to point out, he brings a lot of swagger to the group. Obviously, he's not um, the best corner on the team, but he really plays with a lot of passion. You know, he's got the green hair that everybody loves. But when he's making those plays, he has that signature finger wag and he's always getting back up. If he makes a mistake, he's not hanging his head. Last week against the Vikings, we saw the cornerback group off to the sideline. It looked like they just. Just didn't know what was going on they had no solution nobody was stepping up and taking um, commitment or being a leader but Jalen Mills whenever he gets burnt the next play he's right back at it against the wide receiver so I think he's really gonna um, contribute to this team a lot and help other cornerbacks develop and you know show that there's always another play if you get beat once you got the next play right in front of you go make a play that, that time
1: yeah his confidence is definitely something that could rub off on other guys I think for me the biggest thing is they don't have a guy that can really cover a number one wide receiver. I think Rasul Douglas did a pretty good job against Julio Jones in that Falcons game. Obviously, Julio eventually got his. I mean, that's going to happen regardless. But after what happened last week, I'm not too sure you can be as confident Rasul Douglas to be, like, the guy for you. He um, he was the one covering on Diggs when he had those three touchdowns. He's um, PFF's lowest-graded cornerback this week. So, yeah, he's really... He's he's a good complimentary guy, but you can't be out, out there depending on him to be the guy to lock down one of those number one uh, receivers. I think if you were able to bring in a guy who can, like Chris Harris, who can be put on number one receiver and hold him pretty well. Um, he got he covered um, Devontae Adams when the Broncos faced the Packers this year and held him to four catch for fifty yards, and we knew what um, Adams did to the Eagles when the Packers faced them, so. I think Chris Harris would be a nice solution. Then you can put a guy like Ronald Darby, Rasul Douglas, or Jalen Mills on the number two and It'll go a lot better. So for me, I think that's probably the direction that they should go if they really want to have um, a- any success at corner.
0: Yeah, really. And um, one thing that a lot of people are noticing is that Sidney Jones is really not coming to his full potential yet. Um, it seems like the past two years, everybody's been calling for him to be a breakout candidate because... He had so much potential before tearing his Achilles, but now he's really not achieved his full uh, potential in the NFL yet, and he suffered with the hamstring injuries. He didn't have a great game against the Vikings at all. So um, honestly, if the Eagles are looking to make some moves ahead of the trade deadline, City Jones might be um, part of those conversations because teams in the NFL know his potential, but he really isn't playing um, up to his potential yet. But I agree with you. The, the problem is huge. You don't have a cornerback on the roster right now, not even Jalen Mills that can come in and take on a number one wide receiver or um, provide that spark to change the entire defense. And they need someone that can do that. And I think they will make a trade um, before the deadline, like you mentioned, Chris Harris Jr. or maybe Xavier Howard, somebody that can come in at a decent price, not the hefty haul that they want for Jalen Ramsey if they're even still inquiring about him. Um, If they can bring in... A guy like harris or howard and shut down a number one core or a number one receiver then the entire group looks so much better if you can shift rasul douglas from the number one receiver to the number two and so forth and um have everybody move down the depth chart a little bit they're gonna look a lot better they're gonna be uh it's gonna be easier for jim Schwartz to call the defensive plays because he doesn't have to worry about all these um chances to get exposed because you finally have a true cb1 but Um, obviously that's something to monitor because we don't know exactly who's out there on the market right now and um, who, how he would even um, think about adding to the roster.
1: Yeah. And if you think about it too, right now they have, if you include everyone on the roster right now, make them fully healthy. They have seven corners on the roster. So they honestly might have to include one of those guys in a trade because they're not going to willingly cut Ronald Darby. They're not going to willingly cut Sidney Jones Orlando Skandrick's a different story because he hardly played against the Vikings. I know he played really well two weeks ago against the Jets, but he really was a non-factor against Minnesota, so that might be the way to maybe get one of those top guys is take a Sidney Jones um, if the team's looking for a little bit more value, maybe a Craven LeBlanc because he's under contract next year. Attach them with a pick, and that might be your avenue to get something done. Another possibility is maybe they um, just throw Avante Maddox on IR, but If he's close to returning, I don't think they would want to do that. Plus, they can also use him at safety, which would be a huge boost. We know how versatile he is. So that may be the way to go. Just plug one of those guys with a pick and try to get somebody good. Because, like I said, they're not just going to get rid of someone for no return.
0: Yeah, for sure. And we've seen in the past, the Eagles have never had the best cornerback duo or the best secondary in the league, but they've made it work. And I just really don't know what's going on. Um, We're going to touch on Jim Schwartz and the defensive scheme later in this podcast, but uh, when you look at the Eagles' defensive backs, it's not like they're terrible. I would rank them ahead of a lot of secondaries in the the NFL, but their play is putting them at the bottom. You know, they're ranked terribly against the pass, and I just don't understand where it's coming from because we've seen the potential Rasul Douglas, Ronald Darby, um, all these guys, but it's not coming together. It's not working and they don't have time to wait. They're 3-3. Three and three. Yeah, they're on top of the NFC East right now, but they're technically still tied with the Cowboys. They're going to be playing the Cowboys this week. If they lose, they're in a bad position right now. They're entering a really tough schedule or a really tough part of their schedule, and if they can't put together some wins and um, stay on top of the NFC East, then it's going to get real difficult to make the playoffs, and this secondary will not thrive in the playoffs at all. They won't even survive it, so... Um, they need to make a move to set themselves apart and start winning some games because clearly the cornerback group is costing them a lot of games so far.
1: Yeah, for sure. This stretch that they're in, this six-game stretch, I mean, we've talked about this multiple times now, but it's re- it's ultimately going to define their season in terms of the, if they make the playoffs or not because you're facing six teams in a row, three games on the road, three games at home, where they're, all teams theoretically could make the playoffs. So it's, it's definitely not for the faint of heart, and it's definitely not for – uh, a cornerback group that everyone's really young there. If you exclude Orlando Scandrick, uh, Ronald Darby's the oldest guy there, and he's, what, 24, 25 years old. So you don't really have any really experienced guys, any guys that can be put into a big-time situation, be super confident. I know Darby and Mills have done it before, but they've both been hurt, so you can't really rely, uh, rely on, upon them as much as you did in the past. So for guys like Rasul Douglas, Craven LeBlanc, Avante Matics, Maddox, they're going to get thrown into the fire if they don't make the move in. You don't want to have your season be cost because a guy wasn't ready yet. You want to have everyone on the field that is capable of making you win, not just keep you in the game, but allow you to win a game. Uh, Malcolm Jenkins kind of said this um, a few days ago. He said pretty much how if you're not able to be confident enough on the field, then we can't use you. So if Sidney Jones, Rasul Douglas, Craven LeBlanc, Vontae Maddox, if they're not fully confident that they can go on the field every weekend and dominate who's across from them, they got a serious problem. So they really have to take that into consideration.
0: Yeah. A move definitely has to happen, whether it be the trade deadline right now or taking a heavy look into this next draft, because uh, really you can't survive with this kind of group year in and year out when you have a dominant team all the way up, all the way throughout your roster. Uh, If you're struggling, especially in the defensive backfield, it's going to be real easy to lose games against good teams. So really uh, not a good problem to have for the Eagles. And, um, Another problem that they're struggling with is the wide receivers. Obviously, we know the amount of drops that they've had so far this season. Um, Deshaun Jackson has missed a lot of time with the you know groin or abdomen injury, whatever you want to call it. And it's really hurting this team because the Eagles look so much different without him. They don't have the deep threat uh, with him. They're trying to you know shift Nelson Aguilar into that role, but it's not working at all. They tried it two times against the Vikings, if I remember correctly, and both of them didn't work. Um, he's just not the deep threat receiver that they want him to be. Obviously, he's had potential. Um, the past couple of years, he's you know excelled as being a deep threat receiver uh, here and there. Like If they want to throw it to him deep, he'll catch it, running for a touchdown. But right now, this year, it's not working at all. He works better in the slot, and uh, they really need somebody else that can burn the defense. But getting Deshaun Jackson back and Doug Peterson is hopeful that he'll be back this week against the Cowboys, it definitely will help the offense 100%. We've discussed this before, but um, I kind of want to forget that because, yeah, Deshaun Jackson is a real reason for this offense struggling, but if you take a look back at going into this season, uh, we were super, super excited about this entire wide receiver core. Yeah, we had Deshaun Jackson, but nobody knew he was going to make this big of an impact um. everybody was like, oh, we got Alshon Jeffrey, Zach Ertz, Dallas Goddard, Nelson Aguilar, the list goes on and on. Then you go into the draft, you get Miles Sanders, you get J.J. Ortega-Whiteside, and you have so many offensive weapons. Everybody's like, this is the best offense in the league. And then you take out a 32-year-old wide receiver and Deshaun Jackson for a couple of games, and you look like you're not even a top-10 offense. I just can't wrap my head around how um, they have to run through Deshaun Jackson on offense. And getting him back is super important for this team because without him, they're not winning games and they're not ready to play uh, good defenses because all they're doing is throwing short passes. They don't have a receiver that can stretch the field. And it's so easy to cover and so easy to game plan for.
1: Yeah, for sure. And anytime you're so dependent on a 32 year old wide receiver that, as we've seen it, career wise is fairly injury prone. It's not a formula for success. Um, Even when Deshaun comes back, there's no telling if he's going to be 100 percent because. Um, Doug Peterson said himself, well, he's going to be in a lot of pain when he's on the field because it's not like he's going to be completely healthy. So the injury he has, it's a tough injury. Like anytime you bend over, anytime you stretch out, you're going to feel that. So it's going to be really hard for Deshaun to go back on the field and immediately be like the guy that they need to be a very efficient offense. And even with Sean, he's been pretty hit or miss this year. I know he had 10 catches last game, but he's not really bringing that um, big-time attention that we thought he would. He's not really making – Uh, enough of an impact to really say that he's a true number one wide receiver Zach Ertz is pretty non-existent last game Dallas Goddard his role has just been so in and out it's almost more more like he's a, a run blocker than a pass catcher and Nelson Aguilar he's just completely fallen off the face of the earth so it's really weird what's happened with that receiver group because they're all really talented guys like you cannot deny that they are very good players but for whatever reason they just can't figure it out um but the fact that they rely so much on Deshaun that he really decides the offense, that's a pretty big problem.
0: Yeah, for sure. And not only getting him back, um, I wrote a piece about his impact on the team after the week one win. Obviously, his impact is clear on the field, two deep balls. He had over 150 receiving yards that first game and the two touchdowns. But um, his impact on the sideline in the locker room, he's one of the um, biggest leader on, leaders on the team. And he's hungry to get back with Philadelphia and try to win a championship. Um, he's on under contract for the next couple of years, and he really wants to make an impact for this team. And you're seeing uh, the wide receivers lack the spark that they had with Deshaun Jackson on the team. When you see him out there, um, you know, getting hyped up after his touchdowns, his first downs, it's electric, it's contagious. The entire wide receiver group um, goes off of that. Yeah, you have big personalities like Ashton Jeffrey and Zach Ertz, but when they're struggling to get open, to get the ball, um, they're not showing that electric uh, personality like Deshaun Jackson would. Even when Jackson wasn't even touching the ball, early in the game against the Redskins, if you remember, he was already getting into a scuffle with whoever was guarding him. I'm um, not sure what was said, what was going on, but you know he he's hungry to get the ball. He wants to be the best player out there. And I think once they get him back, um, their entire group is going to look better because – similar to the cornerback situation with Jalen Mills. When you get a guy like Mills and Jackson back there um, on the sideline with big personalities, they're going to get in the other player's face. They're going to motivate them to be the best that they can because they have the experience. They have the swagger, the personality to back it up and they're going to make everybody better for that reason. Without them, these groups have looked flat, um, not motivated. If they get burnt once, the game's pretty much over. If they get dropped the ball once, the game's pretty much over. So, Having these guys back is going to be so essential for the success of this team, um, both on the field and on the sideline when you're preparing to get on to, for your next drive.
1: Yeah, for sure. When Deshaun comes back, it's definitely going to really help the offense. It should stretch out the entire field because if you have Deshaun downfield, it's probably going to draw at least safety, safety help. So that will open up open it up over the middle for Alshon, for uh, Zach Gertz. And then it, it'll help the running game because they won't be as focused on Jordan Howard and Miles Sanders. So. It'll definitely help a lot. But you mentioned the swagger. For me, I, I'm i kind of disappointed that that's not the case with Alishan because he used to be that guy where he steps on the field and everyone knows it's all business and that he's there ready to play. He's not really making the impact. Um, back in the Super Bowl run, he was the guy. He was always getting excited after catches, always making big plays, being the guy that um, Carson Wentz would just throw it up to and you know something's going to happen. Now it's kind of like that's not the case. He, you don't see Carson Wentz really – giving Alshon the opportunity, whether it's just Carson's deciding not to do it or um, Alshon, just the motivation isn't there as much, but now it's like Deshaun's that guy. So it's pretty weird that that's happened with Alshon. Um, I would expect that swagger to still be there with him, but as we've seen, it's completely gone. So hopefully that gets back when Deshaun returns, but for Alshon, that's been a pretty weird situation.
0: Yeah. It's almost like since that drop against the saints to end the game, it's just changed ever since then. Um, That's definitely something I noticed. Uh, you know, he would you know get first downs all throughout last year, the season before, even with, with the time of the Bears. And he would get super hyped up, celebrating stuff. But um, it's not the same Alshon Jeffrey that we're expecting and uh, seeing game in and game out. And I'm not trying to say that, you know, that drop pass that led into the interception um, against the Saints is still haunting him. But at the same time, you know, that's something that you got to point to because that's the last time, the last game that we've seen him in full potential and uh, we know that Alshon plays with a lot of injuries I'm not speculating that he's um, playing with injury right now but um, there's something going on I, I hope it's just uh, mental and Carson Wentz and Sean Jackson can get it in his head and um, you know bring that swagger back because they need it they need leaders on this team right now because everybody looks like they'd only want to be out there and play the game nonetheless win the game so they need him back they need Zach Ertz get fired up And I think Deshaun Jackson bringing that spark back to the team will definitely
1: help. Yeah, and if you kind of look back to the offseason, there was was Deshaun and Alishon kind of being the guys with Carson that you would see them going out to dinner and buying bottles of Hennessy and just doing all these things that was kind of unaccustomed for Carson Wentz. And now it's kind of seemed like that rubbed off on Carson Wentz because you saw him last game getting in the face of some Vikings players. But it's almost like it disappeared for Alishon. So, yeah, I totally agree. Hopefully getting Deshaun back will kind of bring that spark again and he he really does bring the excitement because even from game one when he was on the field it was such a crazy environment it, it honestly felt like a playoff game every single time Deshaun touched the ball so getting him back it really should help a lot both with the team and just bringing that energy around the fans the organization everything so whether it's this week whether it's next week whenever Deshaun gets back it really should bring a big time spark.
0: Yeah definitely uh, he brings so much to the table and it would be so um so important to have him back against the Cowboys in a game that's gonna decide first place in the division for the time being. Having Deshaun Jackson back and bring this offense back to full potential, uh, I think that's just too good to be true. So hopefully he can come back and really bring this offense to new levels. But uh, in the meantime, we're gonna go back to the defensive side of the ball. And I mentioned earlier that there's something wrong with this cornerback group because you have skilled players, but they're not making the plays or not bringing it together and someone to blame for that might be jim schwartz logan do you have anything on that
1: yeah so today actually jim schwartz said with the uh, cornerbacks getting burnt you can directly point the finger at him so it's at least good that he's taking responsibility but it's not so good that he's not fixing the problem we saw this issue last year where he just refused to change his habits so you had to see malcolm jenkins literally call him out and say hey you got to make some changes because we're we're dying out here and right now it's kind of some situation the cornerbacks are being completely left out to dry. There's a serious lack of communication on that first step Diggs bigs touch on uh the cloud that he was supposed to be um, in the middle helping with um, un- uh, under routes. Whereas um, he was supposed to be giving help to Russell Douglas and that's what allowed that uh, wide open touch on for Stefan big. So, and if you look at it, that's directly correlated with Jim Schwartz because he's supposed to be the guy that's telling everyone what's up with their scheme And everything and this has happened for many years now with jim schwartz ever since he came to philadelphia it seems like there's just a reoccurring problem where we have good cornerbacks but they just can't seem to hit the potential and you have to assume that it's um because of the scheme you know jim schwartz kind of leaves these cornerbacks in a situation where they're playing so far off the ball that they can't really make a play on the receiver and if you're so far off the ball you're also going to be fairly flat footed so now they're going to just run right by you so It's a very bad situation with Jim Schwartz. I gave him a lot of credit last year because he really did do a good job down the stretch on making the adjustments, but right now it's pretty bad. And at some point, you do have to wonder if his job will be in any um, trouble if he could end up getting fired because the defense is really bad, and you have to point the finger at Jim Schwartz here.
0: Yeah, definitely. I think both coordinators, both him and Mike Rowe, are definitely under some... uh... Um, on thin ice this season because they have great positional groups among them, but they're not really bringing it to full potential. But um, going back to Jim Schwartz, I mean, he has to scheme for this entire defense all the way from the defensive line to the uh, safeties in the backfield because, you know, it all has to come together. You can't focus on one and neglect the other because if he's just focusing on the pressure up front, the cornerbacks aren't going to be, you know, getting the same attention and they're going to get burnt like we saw against the Vikings. And he needs to uh, get some help for these players because, as Logan said, you know, you're not getting the safety help that they should be getting. If you're getting burnt over and over again, it'd be so easy just to put a safety back there, put Roddy McLeod, put Malcolm Jenkins back there, you know, to shadow these corners. If one's getting burnt, you know, run over and help them try to make a play or at least tackle them for a 20-yard gain rather than a 60-yard touchdown. You know, you got to limit the big plays in order to get this defense rolling. And they're good in the red zone. I got to give them that. They they know how to make the plays there. But if you're, you know, letting them the offense score 70, 60, 50-yard touchdowns and just run right by you, then you're not even getting the chance to bring out the best in your defense. So that's definitely struggling. Um, but one thing I want to point out is he uh, – I forget what game it was, but he was sending blitz after blitz. Yeah, the and, Falcons game. Yeah, that's right. And the Eagles were showing so much pressure on Matt Ryan, but really has been uh, non-existent since then. And one thing I want to point out is the players showed that uh, or told the reporters after the game that Kirk Cousins was rolling out of the pocket time after time, which shows that he knew that the Eagles defensive line was going to be good. But um, once you're out of the pocket against the Eagles defense, and that play develops, you know, it's game over. He can throw wherever he wants to throw, and you know that the wide receiver is going to be open because the secondary is that bad. If you're letting, letting a quarterback get outside the pocket, then you have no um, no chance of making the play. That's how bad the secondary is. So Jim Schwartz needs to dial up some blitzes to limit the quarterback's mobility because if he doesn't do that, they have no chance.
1: Yeah, for sure, and I, I want to double back to um. Falcons game it almost seems like he either fully commits to one thing or just completely abandons it so if you look at the Falcons game he was all in on the blitz he just kept blitzing and blitzing and blitzing but because he refused to adjust the Falcons drew up a perfect play to completely defeat the blitz on that um, Julio Jones screenplay there was no one there to tackle him so he had to walk and touchdown so he does that and then it almost seems like after that he just doesn't do it anymore and you need to get pressure on the quarterback but they're not getting it so it's Yeah, he just he needs to find creativity and not just set his mind on one thing, not blitz every time or never blitz at all. So he just has to find creativity. And when he doesn't do that, he's just really putting the defense in a terrible position.
0: Yeah. And that's it. You know, show the offense something that they can't game plan for. If they're looking at film and Jim Schwartz is doing the same thing over and over again, it's going to be so easy to win games against that because it's so easy to prepare for. He needs to get creative. Um. Get the secondary some help. Get the defensive line some help because both are struggling with injuries. Both need um, some help if they want to you know, succeed, get some pressure, get some interceptions. Um, and, and it just comes down to scheme at the end of the day. Jim Schwartz needs to step up and put this defense in the best possible uh, situation to win games. Because you know, you know if they go against Amari Cooper next week, if he's healed from that um, quad injury, He's probably going to go for over 200 yards, and um, I think that's a minimum for him because he's a great wide receiver, and we've seen what great or even decent wide receivers have done against this defense so far um, throughout the year in just six weeks. So he needs to get creative. He needs to you know, provide some help, have them shadow the wide receiver ones on opposing offenses, and, and um, if they can find a guy on the market ahead of the trade deadline, go get him.
1: Yeah, it's funny you mention that too because – Other teams, when they face a number one wide receiver, you'll usually see double coverage on them or at least a ton of safety help where they're right there no matter what in case they seem to get any opening. And with the Eagles, it kind of seems like Jim Schwartz just leaves his corners on the island, whether it's Julio Jones on you or Randall Cobb. I mean, they're both good receivers, but we can both agree that Julio Jones is a top three receiver and Randall Cobb is not as good as him. So Jim Schwartz has to realize that you can't play every situation the same you can't just assume that what you did once that work is always going to work you have to be able to adjust and be able to realize okay this player is really good we might want to pay some attention to him instead of just saying oh yeah it'll work out work before so it should work again and then when it doesn't work again you're looking around wondering why you lost by 20 points so yeah he has to find some way to just it's really just being smart it's not even getting creative just being logical being smart and realizing okay we're facing a great receiver. We really have to help these guys out. We know our corners are struggling. Okay, Ronnie McLeod, you're going to shadow him, too. We're going to double him and then find a way to make sure the other guys don't expose us. It's, it's, I'm not going to say it's simple, but when it's happened so many times, it's pretty easy to identify what the problem is.
0: Yeah, that's a great point. They're not preparing for the receiver they're facing or even the type of receiver. If you're going against um, Julio Jones, the game plan should be different than you know Odell Beckham or something like that two different types of receivers, a speedy receiver, a slot receiver, a jump ball receiver game plan for those different types, because it seems like no matter who they go against, it's the same thing over and over again. The cornerback will line up five, seven yards off, um, shadow them. Oh, get beat by the double move. Oh, well, we'll just keep doing that over and over again. And hopefully it'll help after three touchdowns, but um, it never gets better. You need to start focusing on, all right, who are we facing this week from the, wide receiver one to the wide receiver four you know focus on every single player on that depth chart and see what their strengths are what their weaknesses are and how to um play against them and if he's not confident in his play calling abilities look at game plan game uh, film that the cowboys for instance played against other teams look what um the jets did against them last week look what the giants the redskins other teams have done to try to prevent or learn from their mistakes and that needs to be a great learning point not only Jim Schwartz but the entire defense as a whole and um, play the strengths and the weaknesses of these opposing wide receivers
1: yeah I don't want to bring this conversation a ton of different directions but I think that can be said about everything because what Doug Peterson would say as his response to what you just said is oh well we're our own team so we're going to do what we want and okay yes it's definitely good to have confidence in yourself but you also have to be willing to adjust and willing to do what it takes to win and allow your guys to be successful and one thing there is, like, I've seen one too many times where it'll be a third and five and you'll see Ronald Darby and Sidney Jones 10 yards off the receiver where you literally just throw to the receiver and they get an easy first. I know playing off so- sometimes helps, but if it's five yards, you want to play for five yards, not for 10 yards like you normally do. And like what we saw last year with the fourth and 15 against the Vikings, um the Titans, and then the fourth down against the Panthers where he plays six defense and then you know you have a guy like Corey Graham who's new to the team, um, isn't quite as capable as previous safeties, and then you just leave him there, and you're saying pretty much, okay, hey, you're going to be the guy that's going to stop this play and get it done. You can't be like that. You have to realize that Corey Graham isn't Malcolm Jenkins, Corey Graham isn't Ronnie McLeod. This is kind of beating a dead horse, but it's just an example of what happens with Jim Schwartz and leaving his leaving his guys out to dry. So you have to be willing to take pages from other teams books and just be willing to make the adjustment. And you have to be willing to say, okay, I messed up, but now we can change and try to win games because that's all that matters is winning games, not being right or wrong.
0: Yeah. Honestly, I think um, the best way to teach Jim Schwartz how to, you know, wrap his head around this cornerback position is, you know, take him out to a football field and have him line up 10 yards off because um, you know that contact is allowed within the first five yards after the line of scrimmage. You can, um, you know do whatever you want as, within reason obviously but after that you know you're allowed to be, be called for pass interference and you can't keep your hands on the receiver at all times if you have a player lined up I mean I think everybody can understand this you're playing backyard football say you line up 10 yards off your receivers okay and he's coming at you it takes less than two seconds for them to reach you you know it's so quick and you have no time to react because you're just standing there if you're up on them and you're pressing them the whole time your feet are moving quickly you're ready to go but if you're just standing there especially in sticks defense you're 15 yards away and you're like okay nobody can get behind me and you're watching um, a receiver sprint up to you and you're like all right all right I got five more yards and then within a half a second they're past you you know it goes so fast and um, that's what this coaching staff doesn't seem to understand they need to start pressing these receivers I think they've been doing it more than last year but um, you know, dial up a little bit more, have some some blitzes to take the pressure off the secondary or get some safety help. Do something because nothing is working right now and they just need to keep trying and trying rather than um doing the same thing over and over again.
1: Yeah, back to the playing 10 yards off the ball. If you think about it too, if you're 10 yards off the ball and you see a player, say they go five yards and then they cut in, you're so far back already that you think, oh my God, I gotta run forward and get to him to make a play on this ball. And then all of a sudden, they dart upfield and they're wide open. Like part of the reasons why Jalen Mills, Rasul Douglas, Sidney Jones is part of the reason why they have so much trouble with the double move is the scheme has them in just such a bad situation as it is that they can't really adjust to when a player makes a move because they think, oh my God, I'm so far away. I got to get to him because he's wide open. And then boom, he makes move and he's even more wide open. You can't really control that as much. I know you can be a little over aggressive and overplay a ball too much and then, you let the receiver get open but it's also the scheme too because if you if you're playing press outside if a player makes a move you don't have to do nearly as much to stay with them you just kind of shift the hips a little bit you just stay close and then you're fine if they make a double move whereas if you're 10 yards off the ball it's just so much more bang bang play where you go in and you hope that they're not making a double move you hope that you're able to just run up and tip the ball instead of them running by and getting a wide open touchdown so i've always had a problem with playing 10 yards off the ball it depends on the situation if it's and 15, yeah, I get it, but playing that normally, like it's really tough for a cornerback to survive in that environment,
0: yeah, for sure. It's not working, and really all the responsibility falls on um, the whole defense as a whole. But Jim Schwartz definitely needs to take a lot of blame and he needs to step up. We've seen in the past and press conferences and such like that. Um, he doesn't really take responsibility, he's very nonchalant about his responses, and just you know, he's like, All right, I'll get better next game, but it really never. Changes. He doesn't change his play style throughout the game like Logan mentioned earlier, so um, he needs to start changing his personality. I think we've been saying this so many times over the past year, Um, but you never know what's going to happen. Hopefully, he'll rebound after this bad game because he seems to do that pretty well. As soon as everybody's calling for Jim Schwartz's head, he has a great game on defense, so you never know what to expect. But I hope he comes to bring the heat against the Cowboys.
1: Yeah, for sure. I remember last year, very similar situation where we were outraged with what was happening with the defense and specifically Jim Schwartz. And the next thing you know, I think it was either week 16 or week 17. I'm writing articles saying, oh, you got to give Jim Schwartz credit, uh, credit for being able to adjust. So, I mean, he's shown that he's able to adjust. My problem is, why not just do it from the start? Why not just do what makes you successful from the start? Not just go out there and see what happens and then be like, oh, maybe we should change something. Just do what you got to do. So hopefully um, he gets the defense ready to go for the Cowboys game. But um, even if they do play well, it should not shadow the overlying problem that Jim Schwartz has at times been a cancer to the defense.
0: Yeah, definitely. And another um, person that deserves some blame for the offensive struggles and defensive struggles on this team is uh, General Manager Hy Roseman, which I will get to after this ad. So going into the season, everybody knew that the Eagles had an impressive offseason, one of the best out there. They brought in depth, starters everywhere across the board. It looked like their roster was unbeatable and that it was super bowl or bust, and then that quickly crumbled away. Um, Just to look at who Harry Rosen brought in through free agency so far, we got Malik Jackson, who's out for the year. Uh, We got Tim Jernigan, another defensive tackle who's out for extended time. Darren Sproles, Ronald Darby. Um, Ronald Darby's close to returning, but they're both out with injuries. Deshaun Jackson, we know the story with him. We touched on that earlier. LJ Fort and Jonathan Cyprian, I'll get back to those in a second. Uh, Wisniewski and um, he he was cut. Uh, he brought he was brought in, but was eventually released. But LJ Fort and Jonathan Cyprian, so Fort was released, but I put an asterisk next to, next to this because they do get a return, uh, the fourth round compensatory pick. So That kind of looks like it is a little bit of a good move for Harry Roseman, but um, same with Jonathan Ciprian. He was traded to the Falcons for an exchange of draft picks and Duke Riley, and Jonathan Ciprian was put on the IR that same week, so um, they did get a player out of Jonathan Ciprian. Um, But overall, it looks like Harry Roseman struck out on all of these moves, and you can't really blame him so much for it, because the medical staff is terrible, and are really struggling with these injuries, especially ones like uh, Darren Sproles, Ronald Darby, that have uh, the soft tissue injuries after an ACL tear. And uh, Deshaun Jackson, we don't really know what's going on with that. But um, what I really have a problem with Howard Roseman is his ability to draft good players. And this past draft, um, he really focused on the offensive side of the ball. He got Andre Dillard, the tackle of the future, and then um, we got Miles Sanders and J.J. white whiteside in the second round. And I just want to point out that the Eagles took J.J. Arthega whiteside with a lot of wide receivers left on the board. They took him over D.K. Metcalf, who was projected to be a top 15 pick. And it really is turning out poorly for the Eagles. D.K. Metcalf is great for the Seahawks right now. And J.J. Arthaga whiteside is remembered for a really bad drop against the Lions. And he had so much opportunity to draft better players, draft players on defense, um, maybe even in the secondary where they really need it right now. And he just didn't do that. And it's been a struggle over the years. He really hasn't brought in skilled wide receivers or cornerbacks in years. And uh, it's definitely something to consider because you never want your general manager just to rely on free agency and trades to build a roster.
1: Yeah, for sure. If you look at J.J. I think a white side too. He can't even get on the field over Matt Collins who missed all of last season. So it's way too early to call him a bust. But for a team that's trying to win right now, that was a terrible pick just because need a guy that's ready to go not a guy that's going to take grooming over the season just to hopefully be good for 2020 so that's obviously an issue and then they take clayton thorson in the fifth round over a guy like gardner Minshew who's just tearing it up with the jaguars if you tape and stats alone like all you have to do is look at that which they do anyways minshu just completely blows thorson out of the water so i don't know what they were thinking when they took thorson over Minshew. i mean thorson was pretty average at northwestern has an injury history towards ACL two years ago, so it's just <laughs> I don't really know what went into that pick. And then if you look in the year prior to that, 2017, they brought in Derek Barnett. He's a good player, don't get me wrong, but he's not playing like a early first round pick like they took him as second round. He took Sidney Jones, who has really struggled to even stay on the field. Thirty will Douglas, he's been playing pretty well, but he's kind of more as um, a depth piece than a true starter. You got Matt Collins, who, like I said, missed all of last season. You got Danell Pumphrey picked in the fourth round. Today, he was selected in the seventh round of the XFL draft. He was selected <laughs> three rounds later than the Eagles took him in the 2017 NFL draft. The draft that players are hoping to get into in the XFL draft, they took him three rounds later. You got Shelton Gibson, who was cut. Nate Gary, um, he's on the team. He's been a contributor, but nothing too special. He was a fifth round pick, so you can't be too mad about that. And then you got Elijah Kwall. So last year's draft too, like man, Howie Rhodesman is just swinging and missing on all these picks. And it's going to get, honestly, it's going to get worse now because Joe Douglas isn't around because we all knew Joe Douglas was the guy that really helped Howie with the draft really helped with some of those picks, like identifying Carson Wentz to trade up to get him, getting all those guys, Lane Johnson, Zach Ertz. So it's going to be really tough. And I see a lot of people on Twitter saying, Oh, I don't care about trading a draft pick because we're so bad at drafting. And before I was pretty opposed to that because you want to hang on to your good picks, but you're going to be drafting guys that can't be used. You might as well trade them for someone that's going to at least help you out. I'm not saying trade three first for Jalen Ramsey, but I would not be mad if they trade a third round pick for Chris Harris and then a fourth round pick for like Devontae Parker or something, just get guys that will help them out instead of wasting those picks on guys who are just going to get cut three years later. So he has a serious drafting issue. This year's um, wide, uh, free agency group was pretty poor. Got added on um, Zach Brown too. He was just cut. So, yeah, it's it's been pretty bad, and it's pretty clear it's hurting the team right now.
0: Oh yeah, for sure. And the Eagles' philosophy has been built throughout the trenches. They want to value um, taking offensive linemen and defensive linemen first in the draft, and then work on their way out um, to more need based. But I'm I was tired of hearing the narrative throughout the draft po- process of of oh, the Eagles never take a cornerback or a running back high, so they're not going to do that. It's it's just tiring to hear that because why can't they flip the script and do it? Um, they kind of did it with Miles Sanders drafting him in the second round, but at the same time, Kyrie Roseman is um, a little bit stubborn himself as Jim Schwartz is on defense because he's stuck in his ways of drafting and it's not working out at all. He's getting the guy that he wants first or second. Um, hope that it works out, but after that, it's just like, all right, what need do we have? How do we fill it? or let's get this guy just for special teams when you're missing out on somebody who can contribute for four years on offense or um and special teams, what have you and it's just i mean Logan went through the list you, you know you're missing out on so many draft picks after you know you draft guys, you get seven or eight guys on your team, and you're excited for them, you're they're under contract for the next four years and then all of a sudden two, three years go by and only two of them remain, I mean, that's not a su- successful draft at all. Um, and one thing I want to point out is, we've mentioned before, when you got guys like Carson Wentz, Fletcher Cox, Lane Johnson, Zach Ertz, who are tied to huge deals on your offense and defense, you have to draft well to you know have skilled players throughout the roster. You don't want to be that team that has the superstars but nothing to back it up. You need guys that will contribute, uh, contribute at a really low price, and The best way to do that is through the draft. And if they can't do that, then they're not going to be a good team going forward.
1: Yeah, for sure. And if you look at this here, too, they took Andre Dellert in the first round. And we can both agree that he's definitely the left tackle of the future. But they're a team that wants to win the Super Bowl right now. I know Jason Peters' time is up soon. The clock is ticking. But I almost would be more preferring to draft a guy who's going to help you right now. That's going to help your chances right now because they have a hole at D tackle. They have a hole at corner. They have a hole at wide receiver where, you know, you really need guys to come in and help you. And instead they took a backup left tackle for right now. And again, I love Andre Dillard as a player. I think he's a great player. I think he's going to be a really big player for the team, but that's in years to come. That's not for right now. And like you said, you have so many guys um, on big contracts. So you need help right now and you can't always afford to just be out there um trading for guys with huge deals so it's it's tough and then dating back to last year the Denell pumphrey one i know they have miles sanders right now but they took him over guys like james Conner, aaron jones um i think joe mixon might have been in the no he was a second round pick i know they wanted him too they wanted dalvin cook and they ended up with Denell pumphrey in a historic running back class they ended up with a guy who went in seventh round of an xfl draft like it, it's really not that difficult i know he was um a great player in college who put up some incredible numbers, but football is more than numbers, and college is different than the NFL. So it's just such a problem, Then If they're not able to successfully draft, signing Carson Wentz to a big deal, Fletcher Cox, Zach Ertz, that's going to be all for nothing. It's going to be a waste of money because if you don't draft well, you're not going to win a Super Bowl. It's as, as simple as that. This year, the drafting may very well hurt them in terms of their playoff chances, and going forward, if they aren't successful, th- this team is not going to win as um, as much as people really think They could and should win.
0: Yeah, go back to Pumphrey. I mean, they took uh, Corey Clement as an undrafted free agent. He's doing a lot more than Pumphrey, obviously. So it just goes to show that, um, you know, they're using their picks on guys that aren't going to pan out. And then these undrafted free agents, maybe they're putting less time or whatever in them. They're just going based on uh, film and highlights. And then they're actually, you know, having good picks out of these guys. You got Corey Clement, TJ Edwards, uh, who's going to step into a bigger role with Zach Brown um, now off the team. But it's definitely struggling to see that they're uh, not hitting their marks on any of these picks. And I want to go back to what Logan said about um, trading some draft picks for players, but also trading draft picks to move up in the draft. They did to get Andre Dillard, but um, you hear almost every year the Eagles are linked to these players and they go before and they're like, oh, oh, well, we'll get another replacement like that in uh, two or three years or something. Uh, he mentioned Dalvin Cook. So basically what happened was I believe the Vikings were two picks ahead of it. I remember uh, watching the draft and Dalvin Cook went, and I was so upset because that's the player I wanted. And then they get Sidney Jones. And I think we would all agree that um, from day one to today, everybody would rather have Dalvin Cook on the Eagles than Sidney Jones because he brings so much to the table. And obviously we didn't know what to expect out of Sidney Jones. He wasn't going to play for the entire first year of his uh rookie season he played one game because of the Achilles injury so Dalvin Cook was going to contribute then and was going to be a great running back for the future and they didn't use a pick to move up uh, just a couple of selections to snag him away from the Vikings same thing happened this year Um, when Christian Wilkins was falling further than expected there was reports that um, teams were trying to trade with the Dolphins for their pick and the Eagles are one of them and the Dolphins were set on taking Christian Wilkins. But why not go to the team right ahead of them and say, I'm trying to move ahead of the Dolphins. Get Christian Wilkins. Let me trade with you. You know, move up, take the extra pick or two and move up in the draft to get the guy that you really want. Don't settle because like Logan said, the Eagles need to win now. You're not trying to plan for the next three or four years. You know, you got to get the guy that you want now, the guy that you've been preparing to pick all throughout the draft process. Um, they said that they had a great pick with Andre Dillard because they didn't even expect to have him there, which I agree with. But at the same time, Christian Wilkins would be great on this team right now because they need help with defensive tackle. And that's the kind of player that you want to win the Super Bowl this year.
1: Yeah, for sure. They know the injury troubles that they have. They know that guys go down more than they hope. And they also know how big it is to be sawed in the trenches. And again, Andre Dillard will help in that, but that's in one two three years where christian wilkins would have been there now christian wilkins honestly would have been good enough to start over malik jackson so if you have a defensive tackle group of fletcher cox christian wilkins malik jackson tim jernigan i know they uh, two of those guys got hurt but i mean that's a damn good defensive tackle group that's honestly the best one in the league and it's going to be good for years to come so it's, they learned from the Dalvin Cook mistake because they, they were going to take Davin Cook if you fell of them, but instead they let the Vikings jump them and take him. So they learned from it in terms of Andre Dillard, but they, they are fooling themselves if they think they would rather have Andre Dillard right now than Christian Wilkins. And if you have your eyes set on a guy, you just got to go get him. That's how it was with Carson Wentz. They made the huge jump to get him. I know he's a quarterback, so it's a little different, but if you want a guy and you have the draft capital to get him and you know you want to win right now, go out and get him because at the end of the day you can't really criticize a team for maybe overcompensating for a player that they want instead of sitting where they are and getting a player that's not helping them at all and Andre Dillard was thrown into the game against the Vikings and he didn't play that well I know he it's tough because he hasn't gotten first team reps but it's not like he's gonna be able to be the savior of the offensive line Jason Peters goes down so yeah it's it's bad. They really need to fix the drafting, and it's really not going to get better, in my opinion, for at least the next few years.
0: Yeah, and you need to be confident in your picks. You can't just, uh, you know, have your eyes closed and look at the paper you have in front of you and be like, "All right, let me pick this guy." And open your eyes and see which one your fingers on because you're you're trying to build your team for the next couple of years. And I'm not saying the Eagles are being, um, you know, unsmart with their picks, but at the same time, I don't like what we're, we've been mentioning with not trading up for the guys that they want. um, They're just settling for what's there. And if they move up, it's just for one or two picks just to get ahead of one team so they get the guy that um, they want but not the guy that they really want and the guy that they love. They love throughout the whole process because um, that's really what you need to help this team. And uh, it's, it's struggling to see that they're missing on all these draft picks because if they were getting a few more contributors to this team, they'd be so good no matter what injury happened. If um, the draft classes from 16, 17, 18, they were still around, still contributing, then this team would be so good. They'd be in a great spot financially. Um, Harry Roseman wouldn't have to have so much stress ahead of the trade deadlines and in the off season to bring in, bring in new talent because he would have guys that know the system, that can stay around and contribute to the team year in and year out. Um, it's just very struggling, and I really hope that he can you know, flip the script and make a doesn't have to be a huge move, but make a really good move over the uh, next few weeks ahead of the trade deadline to build a, a defense. Or I mean, maybe he goes for an offensive player, but I would rather see it on defense and um, get a cornerback, get somebody that can help out and contribute because they really need help right now. And the only way that he can you know flip the script and make up for his losses in the draft is by making a trade right now.
1: Yeah, for sure. And um, I'm, I'm going to make two points right here. The first one, I want to um, give an example of just how poor they are at valuing draft talent. Um, So they obviously watched a ton of film on Andre Dillard, who went to Washington State. And obviously, like I said, they passed on Gardner Minshew, who they could have taken in the fifth round over Clayton Thorson. So they're like, how do they even miss Gardner Minshew on, on the tape when they're watching Andre Dillard? Because they have to be seeing the throws he's making. They have to be seeing how well he's playing. And when you have Nate Sudfeld, who's going to be a free agent after this season, it's going to be, they're not going to be able to overpay for him because he's a backup quarterback. You have Josh McCown, who's – I mean, he's old. He's probably not going to come back for another season. So you really also need a backup quarterback. And they swung a miss on Clayton Thorson and missed a guy that they definitely watched a ton of film on, even though it was inadvertent, but still saw him. So it's definitely an example of just how bad they are at really noticing good uh, draft prospects. And then another point, too, Um, so if you look at the trade deadline – this is going to be another example of doing what it takes to get it to get a guy you want so say chris harris jr is going for a third round pick and Devontae parker is going for a fourth and fifth round pick howie roseman can't get cheap and say oh well Devonte parker's cheaper so i'm gonna get him instead of chris harris no we both can agree cornerback is by far the bigger issue here you have to be willing to take that leap and pay up to get something that's, that's going to help you as much as possible not a guy that will help some and is cheaper but Get the guy that will help you as much as possible because a second or third round pick it's not going to mortgage your futures. So we're go- we're going to see just how much Howie Roseman has learned from this um, in the trade deadline because it's kind of similar to the draft. Sometimes you have to be willing to pay up to get the guy you want, and that's maybe the case with the trade deadline.
0: Yeah, definitely, and that's kind of what um, you know worries me this year because I do think they're going to make a move. But looking at last year, they were tied to Le'Veon Bell for some time. Um, a lot of guys in the secondary. I believe they were still tied to Chris Harris and Bradley Roby back then. And then out of nowhere, they trade for Golden Tate. And uh, I think part of it was just the offense was sputtering. And he was on a contract year. So Howie wrote loves those uh, compensatory picks that we all know of. So that was a easy trade for him to make. But at the same time, it came out of nowhere. It wasn't really a direct need that the Eagles wanted. Um, and. I didn't really understand it. I was really happy to have Golden Tate, but I was like, where did this come from? What was he thinking? And then Golden Tate comes here and is remembered for one touchdown. Obviously, it helped out a lot, but really didn't have much impact at all with the Eagles and eventually walked in free agency. So um, I really don't know if he's even going to make a move that makes sense this year, um, whether he goes for a wide receiver or you know maybe even like a linebacker, or something that's not a direct need, something that they – might need here and there, but um, you know, overpay for somebody that won't even make an impact week in and week out. Uh, I just feel like that's something that Howie Roseman's going to end up doing because really his uh, trade history hasn't been that great at all. Um, he got Jay Ajayi in the past. He'd trade for Deshaun Jackson. He's made good moves, but when it matters, it doesn't seem like he's made the right choices there either.
1: Yeah, he hasn't really been in a situation where he's in a spot where he has to make a trade that will either make or break the season. It was kind of like that last year where, yeah, you got Golden Tate, but Golden Tate got you to the divisional round of the playoffs. They wanted a repeat as Super Bowl champion. So, yes, Golden Tate somewhat made an impact, but in my eyes, that trade was a complete failure because he didn't produce for you at all, and you gave up a third-round pick. I know you're going to get a fourth-round compensatory pick, but I don't care about the draft picks as much because a third-round pick, fourth-round pick, doesn't matter. We've seen how the Eagles draft, and – if you're gonna get a guy that's not gonna help you, it's pointless. I would rather package a second and a third to get a better player than just trade a third for some guy. And even the Golden Tate trade, it didn't even make sense because he's a slot receiver. You have Nelson Nagler who's a slot receiver, so it was just like, it was just like he made a trade to make a trade. Where this year, it's the clock is ticking. You know, the sand is falling through the hourglass. Whatever example you want to use, the clock is ticking on the season. Like. They are in serious trouble right now. Where if they drop these games in this six-game stretch, they already got blown out by the Vikings. You got the Cowboys this week, where if you lose, you're gonna be a game back. Then you're going to Buffalo against a very tough team, and then you got the Bears have a great defense. Lord knows how good the offense is gonna do. You got the Patriots who probably will throw up for 600 yards against the secondary because it's so poor. <laughs> and then you have the Seahawks who have Russell Wilson, who in my opinion is the MVP favorite. Who again is probably gonna just shred apart the defense. So. They have to get this right. They really have no room for error right here or else (laughs) they may. I don't want to be too bold here, but with this schedule, they very well can end up being under 500 if they don't get this right because it's just so difficult and so tough that it has to happen. I'm not saying a trade has to happen right this second, but they have to make a trade soon to help the problems out and they got to get it right. They can't afford to trade for a guy that's not going to help. They have to make sure they get the right guy and make sure that he's going to make an impact on this team.
0: Yeah, definitely. And something that Nick Wright pointed out uh, on his uh, previous talks was that when you look at the Eagles team and you ask them something like, what do you pride yourself on? You know, in the past couple of years, they could have said, oh, our running back group is really good. Carson Wentz is playing out of his mind. The defensive line is playing really well. Um, They've had something that they can point their finger to. Now this season, they don't have anything that they can pride themselves on. Yeah, they have, you know, above average positional groups at some uh, places, but There's really nothing that is elite in this league compared to other teams. And that's what's really struggling. You need to uh, make a move that doesn't really need to move yourself into a league category, but improve and make yourself um, stand back and say, I'm really happy with my cornerback group, my wide receiver group, something like that. And he also said that if the Eagles were in a division like the NFC North, the only thing they, um, I mean, going back, the only thing they have going for them right now is they're, in a bad division. You know, the Eagles and the Cowboys are good teams, but they're struggling right now. They're both three and three. If the Eagles were in the NFC North, their season would be over right now. You got the Lions that are looking better than the Eagles, and they're in last place, I believe. So if the Eagles were in a different situation, they would look so bad compared to other teams. The only thing that's keeping them afloat is because nobody's pulling away with the uh, NFC East right now, and that's how last season went. It was wide open, and that's how the Eagles got into the playoffs was because... Nobody was stepping ahead and um, making strides to be that number one team in the division. If you want to step away and do that and not wait for the Cowboys to make the first move, then you got to do it. You got to make the trade that sets yourself apart and gets these gets these wins because the season's going fast. I look back today, I'm like, we actually are in Week Seven right now. It's almost halfway through the season, and the Eagles only have three wins. That's very struggling. They're at five hundred right now when we thought that the Eagles. Be, you be know, five and one at this point right now. They need to find a way to win games and find a contributor that can help them um, excel because they should be limiting teams under 20 points per game. They should be scoring easily 30 points per game. They have the offense and the defense to do it. They need to put it all together.
1: Yeah, before the season, we did a, a podcast about the NFC East and we said, oh, the Giants are going to be terrible. They're going to be pretty far out of the race. They're one game out of first place in the <laughs> NFC East. I know they're, they're probably not going to win the NFC East, but they are right there. Say Daniel Jones starts clicking, say they trade for a legitimate wide right receiver. I mean, who knows, considering how bad the Eagles and Cowboys are, maybe the uh, the Giants become a legitimate uh, competitor in the NFC East, and that's pretty bad for the Eagles to be put in a situation where they're struggling to get a lead over Daniel Jones and the Giants. If you look at the Eagles, Carson Wentz, if you look at the stats, he's playing identical to the 2017 where... He should have won MVP if he didn't get hurt. And right now they're wasting his golden years where he's playing so well and they're not winning because they're just surrounding him with these guys that are detrimental. They're not allowing them to win games. So yeah, they're it's they're really making it tough for Carson Wentz to be successful because he's gonna be the one that ultimately takes the hit. No matter how well he plays, it's gonna be put on his shoulders because they're gonna say, Oh, you won in the past with Nick Foles and now you're the quarterback and you're losing. It's not his fault, and it's really ultimately who Howie Roseman decided to surround him with. And because it's so bad, they're now in contention with the Giants who um, are not a good team, are led by a rookie quarterback who couldn't even be the week one starter and a Cowboys team that just got pretty well handled against the Jets. So it's not a good situation for the Eagles to be stuck and they have to figure out a way to get out of this funk and just get back to their old ways.
0: Oh yeah, I would hate for the Eagles to be one of those teams that are just wasting a quarterback's career. If you look at the Packers with Aaron Rodgers, yeah, he has a Super Bowl ring, but he's one of the best quarterbacks to ever play the game, and he doesn't have the Super Bowl appearances, the Super Bowl wins to back it up. He doesn't have the a good team around him, the coaching staff. It was a wasted career, in my opinion. Yeah, he had um, a lot of accolades to back himself up and with uh, his stats and such, his records that he broke, but really when it matters, he didn't get what he wanted out of this league, and I would hate for Carson Wentz to be another case of that, you see it happen all the time, and um, obviously this is a different conversation, but um, comparing like the league between the NFL and the NBA, when a player isn't happy, they demand their trade, and they get to take their talents elsewhere to win championships, and the NFL is completely different. You're pretty much locked into your team if you're a premier player, and Carson Wentz is definitely an Eagle for the long run. He's already locked into a huge contract extension, but if the Eagles can't bring him uh, a lot of talent on offense, and talent on defense to keep the opposing team score low, then his talent and his experience is going to be wasted because the Eagles don't know how to prepare for other teams. They don't know how to prepare for their own team to play well, and it would just be terrible to see at the end of the day.
1: Yeah, it's definitely a big worry for me because he's playing so well right now. I honestly think he's having probably the best season of his career, so you don't want to have that wasted in a season where you're not at the minimum winning the division, and considering his big-time contract is going to set in in two or three years, it's only going to get tougher from here in terms of surrounding him with good talent. So, yeah, like we've said multiple times now, they really got to just figure out a way to get the guy they want in the trade deadline for at least the time being and really just find a way to make a run and be a competitive team because when you have Carson Wentz, you're always going to have a chance to win, but it's really going to come down to who's around him in terms of if they get to the promised land or if they fall just short because Carson Wentz is going to play well but if you don't have cornerbacks that can cover good receivers or if you don't have receivers that can catch the ball it's going to be all a waste so it would definitely be very tragic to have Carson Wentz become one of those guys but i could totally see it happening just because of how this front office is rolling with everything right now
0: yeah and as you said we have the best one of the best signal callers out there but we need the playmakers to back it up and right now at this point in the season it's not looking that way but hopefully they can turn things around they got a huge game against Dallas coming up that we're going to touch on later in this week. But um, going forward, the Eagles have a lot to focus on. We mentioned the quarterback group, the wide receiver group, that's going to hopefully improve with Deshaun Jackson coming back, Jim Schwartz and his defensive uh, scheme, and Hyrule Roseman and his uh, problems with the draft picks and the trades that he has made in the past couple of years. So um, right now it seems that the Eagles have a lot of negative things going for them, but they have the time and then they have the opportunity to, to switch it around. And this week is the perfect opportunity. we got a huge divisional game coming up. Um, So hopefully you guys are all hyped up for that to get back on track and hold that first place um, undisputedly in the NFC East. And that's going to be really important going forward. So thank you all for tuning in. We really hope that you like the discussion today. Make sure you leave your thoughts. uh, And our mentions on our Twitter at Birds Banter. And uh, make sure you subscribe so you never miss another Birds Banter. Until next time, go Birds.